0: It's a privilege to be able to share God's Word with you. If you have your Bibles, please turn in the book of Proverbs. We're going to be beginning a new sermon series for the rest of the summer in the book of Proverbs. And as we enter into the book of Proverbs, we are entering into the realm of wisdom. And the spiritual wisdom that is in this book, it gives us clarity on what God desires for us and how we should live in the everyday, normal moments of life. And if we listen and apply the wisdom in this book, there is immense blessing that awaits us, not only in this life, but eternal blessings in the life to come. And so there is no better way, I thought, than starting the sermon series, than hearing the call of wisdom from Lady Wisdom herself. Chapter 1, verses 20 to 23 says this Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. Now, wisdom here is personified or represented as a woman. And she is raising her voice in the marketplace, in the public square, and at the city gates. Now these are all very public places where people would gather to do business, to debate, to settle disputes, and to learn new ideas. And there would have been a cacophony of voices drawing attention of those who would be in these places. And they would be wanting people to either buy certain goods or sell them on different ideas that were being promoted. Now amid all the chaos in this public space, there is Lady Wisdom. And she is passionately raising her voice over and above all the other voices. These verses tell us that she is crying aloud. She is raising her voice. She's trying really hard to persuade those who are passing by to come and listen to the message that she has. And the message of Lady Wisdom is not only true, but it is urgent. And it also has the potential of being drowned out by all the other voices in this public square. Now, we live in a very similar time where our lives are so interconnected that the marketplace and public square are right in the palm of our hands. You can purchase anything you want with a click of a button. You can read and engage with different ideas in the public square on Twitter. You can also follow someone on Instagram who will give you advice on how you should parent your children. And because we are more interconnected than ever before, the reality is that these many voices are calling for our attention and they are shaping our affections. We are all swimming in an ocean where the voices from our culture shape how we think about a whole host of issues. Whether it's parenting or finances or relationships, marriage, politics, justice, the world around us is calling us to heed their voices. Now, the hard truth we must understand is that not while some of these voices might be helpful, many of them are not. And Lady Wisdom comes to us in the book of Proverbs as the voice of reason, and she wants to persuade us to listen to her instead of the voices of those in the public square. Worldly wisdom is what's offered in the public square. And while worldly wisdom often has elements of truth in it, it is untethered from the foundational reality of who God is and what His will for our lives is. So my hope is, as we study the book of Proverbs... That the Spirit would help us hear, understand, and pursue God's wisdom before listening to worldly sources of wisdom. So, today's sermon is going to be a little unique, just because we're starting a new sermon series. I want to take a little time to set the table with some background and context of this book before we can begin our feast as we listen to the call of Lady Wisdom. So, let's set the table. Who is the author of this book? The very first words of this book tell us the answer. Verse 1 says this, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Solomon's authorship is also explicitly stated at the beginning of chapter 10 and the beginning of chapter 25. We also have these interesting characters, Agur and King Lemuel, who are also contributors in chapters 30 and 31. But as a whole, we can say that Solomon is the primary author of this book, and we just have a few other contributors along the way. So who is Solomon? 1 Kings chapter 3 tells us that Solomon was the son of David through Bathsheba, and he was the third king of Israel after Saul and David. Along with Proverbs, Solomon is, Solomon is known for writing the book of Ecclesiastes and the Song of Solomon. Solomon. Now Solomon reigned at the height of the glory of the nation of Israel. There was peace with neighboring nations. There was trade being done regularly with the nations around them. Solomon built a glorious temple that was a place of permanent worship for the people of Israel. And Israel in Solomon's day began to fulfill its mission of being a light to the nations around Israel. Now if you know anything about the life of Solomon, you might be wondering, why is Solomon qualified to write this book? Now, this is a complex question, so let me, let's briefly look at why this is complex. In 1 Kings, the Lord appears to Solomon in a dream and promised to give him anything that he asked for. Solomon wisely responds with asking for wisdom to govern God's people. First Kings three says, As "Behold, God says, "I will give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you." Later on in chapter three, God says, "And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure, and breadth of mind like the sand of the seashore. So that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the East and all the wisdom of Egypt. He also spoke 3,000 Proverbs and, and his songs were 1,005. And the people of all the nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon and from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. So Solomon here asks God for wisdom, and he is given wisdom that surpasses the wisdom of all the peoples of all the nations of the earth. And it says he also spoke 3,000 Proverbs. Now, that's more Proverbs that are in the book of Proverbs, so some of his Proverbs are recorded in the book that we'll be studying together. Now, all of that makes sense. Solomon, wise guy, gets, it, gets wisdom from God. But on the other hand, Solomon's life is not quite characterized by wisdom. For one, Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. That's crazy, 1,000 women besides his wife. Now what kind of wisdom is that? In fact, we learn from Solomon's life that women were his downfall, foreign wives who led his heart away from serving the one true God. Now while it's hard to reconcile Solomon's wisdom with his folly, it's best to see Solomon as truly being given wisdom, and he truly in fact walks in that wisdom initially, but along the way he chooses the path of folly. Now, Solomon does come back around towards the end of his life when he writes the book of Ecclesiastes in which he outlines the vanity of choosing the path of folly and finally coming to love and follow the path of wisdom. So that's the author of this book. So when's this book written? So these proverbs are written sometime between 950 B.C. to 700 B.C., So Solomon, if you can think of round numbers, David is around 1,000 B.C. Solomon is about 950 B.C. And chapter 25 of Proverbs tells us that the men of Hezekiah end up compiling some of Solomon's Proverbs during his reign. So the book is written sometime in its final form around 700 B.C. All right, what's the structure of this book? So contrary to popular belief. Everyone kind of thinks Proverbs are just kind of random little statements, wise saying, something that you can find in uh, secular Proverbs as well, and there's not really any structure to this book. But Proverbs does have some structure to it, and, and this is going to be really important to how we preach through the book of Proverbs and how I'm going to recommend we understand the entire book of Proverbs. So the book can be divided into seven distinct sections. There are seven collections of Proverbs. The first collection is the preamble and prologue, that's chapters one through nine, and that's going to be the focus of our study in this, this summer. Collection two through seven has Proverbs of Solomon. They are more, I don't want to say random, but smaller proverbs with not much context in them. Uh, and that's not going to be the focus of our study this summer. The reason for that is that chapters one through line nine, they do lend themselves to a more extended exposition. There's just larger chunks of material that we can cover together. And chapter and collection two through seven, two through seven, they are kind of more smaller collections of Proverbs um, with not a lot of context. They lend themselves more to a topical or thematic study. And that's going to be the focus of our of our study next summer. But the reason we want to focus on the first collection, which is chapters 1 through 9, is that's going to be foundational for us to interpreting the rest of the book of Proverbs. Chapters 10 and following have very little context, and these short Proverbs must be understood in the context and through the lens of the first nine chapters of Proverbs. So the sermons this summer will focus on the first nine chapters and help us better understand how to read and interpret the rest of the book. Now, what's the purpose of this book? Solomon gives us the answer in the first few verses, verses 2 and 3. He says this, To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. So to summarize that statement, the purpose of this book can be summarized like this, Learn godly wisdom so you can live wisely. Wisely. Learn godly wisdom so you can live wisely. But what is Solomon talking about here when he talks about wisdom? What what in fact is wisdom? Wisdom in the Bible has a wide range of meaning. In some places, it refers to, to technical skill. So technical skills, think of something like the artisans in the book of Exodus. They were filled with wisdom to construct the tabernacle with all of its beauty and splendor. In other places, wisdom refers to administrative skill. Administrative skill, think of something like Moses and Jethro. When when Moses was the solo pastor uh, overseeing the people of Israel, and he felt overwhelmed and burdened by caring for the needs of the people, Jethro, his father-in-law, wisely encouraged him to appoint leaders over small groups of people to distribute the weight of responsibility. Now, this is what we would call administrative skill. But the primary understanding of wisdom in the book of Proverbs is not technical skill, it's not administrative skill, but it's something that we can call skill for living. It's the ability to perceive and respond to the circumstances of life with biblical principles. Now understanding wisdom is one thing, but living according to that wisdom is a whole nother matter. The book of Proverbs is a call not only to grow in our understanding of wisdom, but specifically calls us to order our lives according to that wisdom. So a wise person is this, one who understands the moral order of this universe given by our creator and lives according to that moral order in the different situations of life. All right, so that's the purpose of this book. Who is the audience of this book? Well, Solomon tells us, verses 4 and 5, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning And the one who understands, obtain guidance. Now, there are three groups of people that this book is intended for. The first, verse 4, tells us that this book is written to give prudence or wisdom to the simple. Now, the simple are those who are naive. This is a person who is gullible, and and he's vulnerable to the influence of others. This person is easily swayed. This person lacks judgment and the ability to discern wisdom from folly. This book is meant to help the simple and naive avert the disaster that awaits them if they do not hear the voice of wisdom. The second group of people this book is written for is related to the first. Verse 4 tells us, "...to give knowledge and discretion to youth." Now, knowledge and discretion are the fruits of wisdom, and they are offered in this book specifically to youth. So children, youth, listen up. Let me speak directly to you here. This book is written specifically for you to grow in understanding the path that God would have you walk in. There is no other book in the Bible that explicitly addresses young people. So this is an important book for the youth. Now, by implication, this book is for parents as well, right? In fact, the first nine chapters of the book are written from the perspective of a father addressing his son about the issues of life. The words, my son, occurs 22 times in this book. So this book has much to say about the wisdom for parenting. Now, being a new dad, I've been kind of on a quest for learning the secrets of the wisdom for godly parenting. I've kind of been a blank slate when it comes to parenting. Uh, So in fact, my goal this year is to read several different parenting books that many of you have um, recommended that were helpful resources and I am eager to read those. Now, while all of those books might have helpful things in them, let me encourage parents here. As a young parent, <laughs> this book has a lot to say about parenting, and we would be wise not to neglect any of it. So if you're a parent or a grandparent, there is immense book wisdom in this book to teach our children and our grandchildren Proverbs instructs us that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Children and youth, they are not born wise, and they do not automatically become wise as much as they think they are. They need consistent instruction and training from their parents. Now, there's been a shift in parenting in our culture over the last half century where it is no longer believed that children need to be instructed to learn what is right from wrong. In fact, the central tenet of parenting in our culture is to help our children fully express themselves as individuals. Now, the fruit of that kind of parenting can be seen when we see children as young as five choosing to express themselves in a gender that is not truly what they were created to be. Now, while we might think something like that might never happen in our church, secular perspectives can subtly creep into our thinking as well, especially if we as parents forget that it is our role in parenting to train, instruct, and discipline our children to grow in godly wisdom. So parents, keep this book as a close companion in your parenting. Now, not only is this book written for the naive and the youth, but this book is also written for those who are already wise. Look at verse 5. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. This means that none of us are ever done growing in wisdom. This book has wisdom for the young, for the old, for the simple, and the wise. None of us ever grow beyond the wisdom that is available to us in this book. So to the wise and to the understanding, which is many of you in this book, in this room, sorry, study the book of Proverbs. There is endless treasures of wisdom and knowledge and it will help guard and protect your ways as you walk through this life. Now, as we focus, that's a little bit on setting the table. As we focus on chapters 1 through 9 this summer, there are two interludes by Lady Wisdom in chapter 1, verses 20 to 33, and then all of chapter 8. And I thought it would be most appropriate to hear the voice of Lady Wisdom at the beginning of our study. To motivate us to listen to her throughout this study. So I have two main points today. The motivation for listening to wisdom and the consequences for not listening to wisdom. So first, the motivation to listen to wisdom. Proverbs one twenty-two, Lady Wisdom After we see her crying out in the street, she says this, How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? Now, Lady Wisdom is seen here directing her call towards the simple, the scoffers, and fools. The simple are those that we discussed earlier. It's a, a young person. One who is naive, who has not experienced much in life. They are simple because they have not yet received instruction. And then there's the fool. The fool is someone who thinks they already have all the answers, so he doesn't need to listen to the voice of wisdom. The scoffer, this person, he's a spiritual cynic. He's the one who not only mocks God, but he's on recruitment to find others who hate God and mock God. Now, Lady Wisdom wants to motivate all three of these people to listen to the spiritual wisdom that she has to offer. There are three motivating reasons that we should, why we should listen to Lady Wisdom from chapters 1 and 8. First... Her message is noble, true, and righteous. Chapter 8, verses 6 through 11. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and write to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her." We learn here that the message of Lady Wisdom is noble, it is true, and it is righteous. Now, don't the attributes of Lady Wisdom's message remind us of the attributes of something else? What else do we know is noble and true and always righteous and gives us true knowledge? What else is to be desired more than silver and gold? Solomon here is aware And he likely learned this from his father in the psalm. Psalm 119.7 says this, that the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. God's revealed word is where we can hear the voice of wisdom most clearly. Lady Wisdom is calling us to hear what God has revealed about himself to us in scripture. She is saying that if you want true knowledge, if you want to understand the meaning and purpose of life itself, if you want true wisdom on how to live the day-to-day of this life, you must begin with what God has revealed about himself in his word. The second reason that we should listen to Lady Wisdom is that she existed before creation. Chapter 8, verses 22 to 31. She says this, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of His work, the, the first of His acts of old. Ages ago I was set up, at the first, before the beginning of the earth, when there was no depths and I was brought forth, when there was no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills I was brought forth, before He had made the earth with its fields, or the first of the dust of the world, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. Now wisdom, Lady Wisdom here is described as having a very close relationship to God and his creation. Verses 19 and 20 tell us that God created the world with wisdom Verses 23 to 26 tell us that it is, that wisdom existed before creation itself. And verses 30 and 31 tell us that wisdom was beside God, shaping, fashioning, and bringing order out of chaos during the creation of the world. Now, just as a very brief side note, these verses were one of the central points of debate between the Arians and Trinitarians during the Council of Nicaea where the deity of Christ was being debated. And the debate was about if this passage points to Christ and if it speaks to his eternality or if Christ was created, a created being. Uh, You can look into the details of that if you are interested. It's a fascinating debate. Obviously, we believe that Jesus Christ is eternal and he is God himself. Now, while I do think the personification of wisdom here is a type of Christ, the primary emphasis here is that wisdom is an attribute of God. And it is by that attribute of God that he creates and governs the world. It is by God's wisdom that he weaves a moral order into the very fabric of creation according to which mankind is designed to live and flourish. So Lady Wisdom is really old and that's why we should listen to her. I know we live in a time when what is new is considered better than what is old. Most of you know probably that artificial intelligence has made significant leaps and bounds recently. With robots like ChatGPT, uh, these are AI bots which have been trained not only to hold a vast amount of information but they've been trained to mimic human emotions and expressions and to respond in ways that are eerily human-like. And when we have technological breakthroughs like this, it is easy for humanity to think that we no longer need God, that we can chart a path forward on our own. You can actually ask ChatGPT all kinds of wisdom-type questions if you want on your free time. But the answers to those questions will not comport with what is biblical wisdom. And AI robots will never be able to answer the significant questions about life. Who am I? Why am I here? What is wrong with this world? Where is all of this going? no one can answer these questions unless they listen to something that is older than creation itself, God's wisdom. And God's wisdom has been given to us as a gift. It gives us answers that science, and especially science that's devoid of God itself, cannot give us. So listen to the voice of God's wisdom in his word. The third reason we should listen to the voice of Lady Wisdom is that she brings life and favor from the Lord. Chapter 8, 32 through 35. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting besides my doors, For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. Now consider the blessing that is promised to the one who listens, who watches, who waits, and who diligently desires to know God's wisdom and God's ways. You are promised life and favor from the Lord. Listening to the voice of wisdom in God's word is the only sure path to abundant life and eternal blessings from God. So let me ask you a question here. Does this describe your relationship with Lady Wisdom? Do you listen? Do you watch? Do you wait? Do you listen to the Holy Spirit speaking through his word to you? There is an infinite amount of blessings that await you. Not only that, but listening to Lady Wisdom is the only safe option. How do I know this? Consider our second point the consequence of rejecting wisdom. The consequence of rejecting wisdom. Chapter 1, verses 24 to 32. Lady Wisdom says, because I have called and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded, because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you, when terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind when distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call upon me and I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Wouldn't I have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have the fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning by their turning away, and, compla- and the complacency of fools destroys them. For those who refuse to listen to God's wisdom revealed to us in creation, but most clearly in his word, there is no safety. The consequences here are described in vivid language. Listen to these words, calamity, terror, distress, anguish. This is for the one who rejects God as the creator of all things. The all-wise God is the one who sets the boundaries of how we ought to live, and those who refuse to listen, he has the authority to cast that unrepentant fool and scoffer into the hell of eternity. Hell is a real place. And Lady Wisdom here warns us that rejecting wisdom will eventually lead to your calamity. That terror will strike. There will be anguish and distress. And by the time you come to your senses, there will be no repenting. That is the broad path taken by fools and scoffers. This is a sobering reality. So what does that mean? There is a clear choice that each of us has to make. For those of you who have yet to acknowledge God as creator to whom they owe their ultimate allegiance, the consequences are serious. And the book of Proverbs describes you as a fool and maybe a scoffer. But it does not have to be this way. You can choose the path of wisdom by listening to the voice of Lady Wisdom. Listening to the wisdom from God does not cost you anything at all except laying down your pride, repenting of your self-centered ways, and trusting in Christ alone. But rejecting wisdom means you are rejecting God himself, and the consequence is eternal damnation. Now, for the simple and naive, and there's some of this in all of us, The focus of this book is for the youth. So youth, listen up right here. All of you, this book is written for you. There are thousands of voices in your life clamoring for your attention. They want you to hear your, they want your attention. There's gonna be your peers, your favorite athletes, celebrities, perspectives you hear on social media, You're gonna hear secular worldviews. You're gonna hear destructive ideologies being promoted as good that are in fact evil and lead many of you astray. Let me encourage you listen to God's wisdom in his word, and listen especially to the wisdom of Proverbs in this book. Now, for those of you who are wise, you're living according to God's wisdom generally. Proverbs will help you grow in wisdom and you will continue to find abundant life and favor from God as you follow His wisdom in His Word. Let me leave you with one application question. This is for all of you. Which voices in your life are drawing your heart away from hearing the voice of the God in Scriptures? Which voices in your life are drawing your heart away from hearing the voice of God in the Scriptures. Voices in this world are compounded by the voice of the enemy, the evil one. He wants you to give up. He does not want you to cling to Christ. When things are hard, he wants you to give up on your marriage. When suffering does not quell, he wants you to Believe that God is not for you. Let me encourage you not to listen to these voices. Listen to the voice of wisdom. The voice of God is merciful and gracious and good, and he is calling us to himself to trust in him.